Roxo Media House. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me my co-host, my friend, Parker Fleming, who is currently buried in about four feet of snow. Parker, how's the winter treating you? Dude, not even. The N- the, the NWS is such a crock. I don't know. Don't even get me started. They're out here throwing around these absurd snow totals, and we just got a light dusting. Um, it is cold. It is, it is freeze your, freeze your mustache cold when you go outside. So I'll give them, I'll give them that. They at least, they at least prepared us for that. But the snow total has been underwhelming per, uh, compared to the projections. This is why I don't grow facial hair uh, is because it's going to be 20 degrees in Bay city, uh, two days from now. And I, I have no worries about getting crystals on my face. So, um, also because I can't grow it, but mostly the first, you know, my fun fact is that uh, I was on the cover of the uh, Memphis Commercial Appeal in 2014, I believe. 13. Really? I think Why? it was 13. Because uh, we all signed up. I was there teaching middle school and uh, in this part of this program. And we all signed up to run the St. Jude half marathon. Yep. And um, and Grant, you, you've seen me. You know me. I'm not a half marathon guy. That's that's not really. I, I, I say that I ran one this year at a pretty decent Right. Like, but generally that's, I'm, I'm that, I gotta be honest with you. That That's the most self-inflicted humble brag I've ever heard. Well, I, I just saying like, I'm just a bigger dude. I like powerlifting, and whatever. And, and I don't really, you're very strong and, and in shape. I don't, hey, okay. No go one ahead. looks finish at me your, and says your story. that guy, that guy runs for distance. Um, very much a, we dwarves are natural born sprinters. Uh, situation. <laughs> but that being said, where was I? Oh, so I'm in Memphis and, uh, and we're going to run the St. Jude marathon. It's like the second week of December. I think, I don't know. Someone can correct me on that. And they cancel it because of ice, but this is not, this is not real ice. This is like the supposed potential for ice Mm -hmm. and they have no infrastructure to deal with it or whatever. And so a bunch of us just started coordinating and we're like, we're going to line up and we're going to run it anyway. And so we did. And of course, St. Jude found out about it. So they came and set up like the hospitality room and the they got people there at the end of the race. Like they weren't going to be embarrassed and have these people, you know, cross the finish line and not do it. And it's a great thing. I I ran, walked it. I was I was I was dying. I hadn't really trained for it. But um, it's cool. At the very end, all these um, all the you know, all the kids come out and like cheer for you, whatever. It's great. But that being said, it was very cold. It wasn't like icy cold, but it was very cold. I was outside for a long time. My beard had a ton of ice in it. And so when I crossed the uh, finish line, the photographer came up and was like, hey, I'm going to take a picture of the ice in your beard. And I was like, I'm sweating and dying. Sure. And then the next day it was on the front page of the commercial appeal as they did a story about all these people coming together and running the St. Jude, uh, St. Jude half marathon. Have I told the story about how I applied for a job at the Memphis commercial appeal? No, I didn't. Right out of college, I applied for a job that I thought was covering the Memphis Tigers college basketball team. So I wrote about how much I love, you know, college basketball, how I'd covered it before for TCU. Um, wrote a bunch of stories for various websites. Um, had a great resume. Sent it in. Two days later, I hadn't heard anything back. Hadn't really even gotten a response from the Memphis Commercial Appeal like automated system, whatever company owns that, Gannett or whoever. It was covering the Memphis Grizzlies was the job. So I did not hear back from them. Which um, is not something you couldn't do, but maybe not something. But maybe not what I applied for. Maybe my do. love of, you know, I saw Memphis play in the 2008 Final Four, you know, not exactly what we had uh, intended. Parker. Grant. The it's one signing thing day. I, it's signing day. The one thing I like less than applying for jobs that I misread the application for is talking about recruiting. And yet here we are. It is signing Which, day. Okay, let's flesh that out for a second. Because I've seen, yeah. I have a lot of Alabama friends. I don't know how my life has been oriented this way. But I just know a lot of people who are Alabama fans. Um, and they're like, we don't care. 
we don't care about recruiting. Like, it's going to be fine. We don't care. Yeah. Um, And I kind of feel that way about TCU, but I feel that way about TCU because how TCU has historically won has been, hey, we're just going to find weird guys. And so your ratings don't matter. But in the new era, does that change at all for you? It, it it changes for me, especially because of the way that, and this really isn't isn't even a slam. Um, just in terms of how TCU has built this roster in the past, TCU has relied on those weird guys, right? So those three stars, four stars, high two stars, even um, from little known towns in Texas and Louisiana. Now that we're in this new era, now that we have a, a, a new head coach and someone who is trying to establish his own identity with the program. TC is going to have to hit the portal more and they're going to have to recruit different types of dudes. Um, so it, it does matter to me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think I, that's I trust... fair is like, I'm getting a little more interested in it from that standpoint of like, it is going to matter because we are looking at dudes being guys being dudes. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I think you and I both talked about like, Hey, we are giving Sonny Dykes uh, three years of grace. I mean, he, Took TCU to playoffs. Um, I'm not going to. Well, not even three years of grace, three years before evaluation in any way, shape, or form. Like, yes. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll talk about this, I think, more in depth here with the next news item we'll get to. But, like, I'm not going to crown Sonny Dykes the greatest coach in the history of whatever no. because he took TCU to the playoff one year. Like, that's amazing. I... And it's proof of concept of what he can do. And I'm very excited about it. And I have been skeptical and vocal about that, uh, about what I think he can do. But this is proof of concept that when it's humming, it can be a lot better than Alamo Bowl every couple of years, which is what Gary Patterson's ceiling had become. But we still need to understand what's going on long, long term. Like there's still other forces to understand. Recruiting, having the best recruiting class, class in TCU's history since they started, you know, putting this together and, and counting these guys. That's absolutely huge. It's huge. And, and, and we can get into this now because I think a lot of times um, some of my qualms with Gary was – he didn't really necessarily address the issues in the program. Let's delve into this now. I mean, look at TCU's recruiting class. Who did they sign today? Jordan Bailey, wide receiver, who is uh, Imani Bailey's younger brother, fun fact, from Denton Ryan. Four-star. Uh, Go ahead. Here's the only thing I'm rooting for next year is a throwback pass where yes. whoever's playing quarterback for TCU next year hands it to Imani Bailey in a reverse, and he throws it to Jordan Bailey. We need the Bailey-to-Bailey I... Bailey trick play. I will uh, ascend to a higher level of being. Hold um, on. I'm going to DM Garrett Riley really quick. <laughs> okay, please do. Uh, we've named some of these guys already uh, in our last episode. Uh, Channing Canada, who's a cornerback from Trinity Valley Community College, four-star, top-ranked junior college corner. Max Carroll, linebacker, four-star recruit. Avion Carter, defensive lineman, four-star recruit. Uh, Cam Cook, four-star recruit running back from uh, Stony Point. Fun fact, I qualified for TFA State extemp at the Stony Point tournament my junior year. Uh, Marquise Deal, um, who I think is TCU's top-rated recruit overall, uh, the number 10 defensive lineman in the country, uh, Garland Amid Palmer's High he's School. He's a big deal or Marquise Deal, a big deal? Sorry. It's no, no, it's, no, it's, no, 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 no. grasping at straws. We're there. Um, I hate you. A bit, no, okay, so wide receiver, which we need to overturn. We need a number one yeah, guy. Let's, yeah, let's break that down. Yeah. Defensive back. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard people call call Canada the best JUCO player in the nation. Um, yeah, in terms uh, of the number three damage. overall JUCO recruit uh, per the rankings, but yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, he, he's um, And so that's that's absolutely huge because that's plug and play. And TCU, yep. if you guys aren't are keeping track, is definitely going to have to fill a cornerback spot next year. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and and some pretty well, some small shoes physically, but some big shoes in terms of uh, the scale and the scope of eternity with THT um, there. But uh, also defensive line. I mean, Grant, can we just talk about for a second? I, I don't even want to know the stats. I don't even know the numbers. TCU is going to have a nose tackle rotation. Of yep. Dom Williams and Bubba. Uh, that's all you need to know Boy. about the man. He's he's Bubba. Unironically, I am uh Bubba. This is not a case where they like call a sm- you know how sometimes they'll call a big guy tiny or like a small yeah. guy. No, he's Bubba. You no, know, whatever. No, he's Bubba. This is Bubba. <laughs> Bubba rules. Um yeah, I'm very excited about Bubba. And uh, there was no there was no surprises today. Um, no, there was no decommits. There was no like, oh, like what? TCU no, didn't it just, have like a big, oh, this, 
we lost this guy. Whatever it was like TCU to say, hey, we know what guys we want. We know what guys and, we can get, and we got them. And I, I listen. We don't have to get into this. Um, I, I don't think we've also mentioned it. Brian Carrington. I think we did before leaving for Arizona State, but he didn't take anybody with him, and I think that's a plus. Well, um, was the defensive? Did we did we get settled on that? I know we were texting about that earlier, and I'm so behind. Maybe on I don't know, but point is, no surprises today. And I, if there might be one later. I think. Um, if you're not following Jamie and subscribe to Frogs, yeah, or whatever, just or that. the boards, like I don't know, they're gonna have better information than us. Um, in terms of breaking boards, news, just just follow knows. Jamie. But but I don't think anything was a surprise today. Um, I think TCU got a damn good class. Um, Brian Ramsey Brooks is six five three sixty. That is a large man. Again, that's Bubba. <laughs> that's Bubba. He's, he is a in South Oak Cliff just won the state championship again behind his the only, uh, large frame. Probably the, the only nose tackle in Texas high school who's wearing a full visor every place. <laughs> Which, like, come on, man! Like, <laughs> I love the picture, and this is not to this is not to to poke fun at Coach Bowden, no. but because I'm also he and I are probably the same height. But there's that picture of him at the Frogs Today studio standing next to Bubba. And you're like, yep, one of those is a football player. And one of those is and a guy who's really smart yes. about football. <laughs> and so you pair those with, you know, the the transfers. I mean, Brockermeyer, uh, Earl. Um, it, it, it's amazing how well Dykes has done in his first year of getting those guys. Uh, Jack Beck, tight end coming from LSU. Avery Helm, cornerback coming from Florida, who I don't think we mentioned. Um, he was a four star out of high school. Um, TCU's like done really well. Like, and, and that shouldn't be a surprise. TCU has been the third best recruiting school in the conference for the last since they've joined the Big 12, so the last decade. Yeah. But I think that's it, something it, I've said till I was blue in the face about this season is like yeah. TCU has the third best roster and they're increasing their lead with this recruiting class, yes. especially when you count for Texas and Oklahoma going away. Like, especially like. UCF gets gets a, a knock for you know it's like hey or has a reputation for hey we're we're, we're good recruiters, um like TCU is so far above even even them with with Florida in there, TCU should very easily, TCU could very easily be poised to absolutely dominate the new Big Twelve if they can recruit like this consistently yeah. like yeah 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 well and look twenty four seven sports God bless them you know t- take their rankings for what you will. TCU has the now, as we record, I said ninth earlier, the ten best, the tenth best transfer portal class in the country. Um, Oklahoma State's at sixth. Besides that, it's the second best Big Twelve school um, under yep. the previous administration. That was not going to be the case. Um, no, so not, not only transfers, yeah, right. So not only are they, I think, the nineteenth overall um, in terms of like high school recruits, they're tenth in transfers. Can I also be a homer for a second and just yeah, say like, okay, let's say I have two All-American cornerbacks, which well, might just be his case, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Um, if I go to the transfer portal and I take six four-star cornerbacks, that really doesn't do me much good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of roster composition, Sonny Dykes, in my eyes, gets a long leash and I trust his roster composition for bringing in guys like Mark Perry this year. Think about yeah. this TCU defense. Without Mark Perry on the field. Um, just in terms of transfers, they brought in and were yes. immediately productive. Johnny Hodges. Think about TCU not having Johnny Hodges this year. And and them being able to plug and play those guys. Uh, I think that there's uh, increasing returns to transfers for this TCU team. I mean, it, it, and um, Alon Ali on offense as well. I mean, those are probably what? Yeah. Three of the most impactful 15 players on TCU's roster. I think um, it's extremely fair to say we're a lot closer to that eight and four expectation that you and I had you know, were it not for those yeah, two guys. Right, exactly. So it's 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 I'm giving Sonny Dykes a very long leash. Um and I I am very impressed by this class. Parker, um you know <clears throat> one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time is Outcast's uh Players Ball. And one of the greatest comedic sketches of all time is a player haters ball and i think it's now time to be a player hater and talk about baylor for a brief minute you had my wheels turning because i was trying to figure out if they actually I know, mentioned I know. christmas or if you were just like this is a great song so no it starts with like song, jingle bells. Also, no yeah it is a christmas song um i guess that's true 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's you know, yeah, it's the player's ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about International Players Anthem. That's and I was like, I don't, That's a great rap song, but I didn't know that was a Christmas. I'm there with you. I'm, I, we're on the same page. Um, let's hate a little bit. Let's um, hate. Grant, just again, uh, earmuffs for everyone who might be sensitive to uh, me being just an absolute hater here. But um, Grant, Baylor is a poverty program right now. Um, Baylor is an absolute shambles. Um, I'm going to go home and put some water in Dave Aranda's dish. Uh, exactly. I, I am. It's a tough scene down in Waco. Here's what happened in Waco. For those of you who are uninitiated, um, going into spring practice, uh, Baylor had, uh, Gary Bohannon, whose mm. athleticism and, um, uh, general craziness, uh, helped, Baylor uh, achieved one of their best seasons of all time, winning the Big 12 and winning the Sugar Bowl against the depleted Ole Miss team. And the upstart Blake Shapin, who is um, every bit looks like a baseball shortstop. Just uh, the guy. Yeah, just just the guy you would imagine. I swear I made made that comparison before the season. Yeah, well, he's literally a shortstop. Yeah, like he's he's literally literally a baseball. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) for the good and the bad. They chose Shapin, which is fine. I, I think we could argue about whether that was good or bad. I don't think that was the reason Baylor had the season they had. Um, and, and Dave Aranda got a lot of press for allowing uh, Gary Bohannon to enter the transfer portal before uh, the deadline, whatever that was. Pause the hating. I will say, I, I think that was a good thing. That's my actual tip. Like I, for, I think for Gary and generally not with the yes. state of the Baylor um, quarterback room, because then they're down from three scholarship quarterbacks to only two. Blake Shapin, Kyron Drones. Blake Shapin gets hurt, as so often happens with Big 12 offenses. Quarterbacks do get hurt. Um, hot damn, Grant. I have I have a little bit of money on Western Kentucky plus four, and they just scored to go up 14-0. Uh, uh, so Kyron Drones comes in. He looks all right. He's pretty crazy, but uh pretty erratic, but is is a is a really talented athlete. Um, he transfers as well. So Baylor's oh. down to one scholarship quarterback, but fear not. Austin Novosad uh, from Texas, uh, four-star quarterback, recruited last December and committed last December to Baylor. He's coming. He's going to be a Baylor Bear for the entire Oh, year. great. Okay, well, that's good. Um, they have it set then. So good. They got their quarterback now, quarterback of the future. Maybe go get a depth guy. Maybe go get a Jack yeah. Plumber to just come yeah, sit in the just, room. Yeah. Throw some good scouting reps and, um, and help you yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Except that uh, Novus had flipped to Oregon because oh. he had no intention of going to Waco and just huh. was was trying to leverage his best offer. Um, and Baylor didn't know. Baylor had no idea that he was going to flip by any um, like the, there was no inkling. There was no uncertainty. They had counted on this as a sure thing. Grant signing day has mm-hmm. come and gone. Baylor has one scholarship roster player on the roster and their selling point to anybody of uh, that's worth their salt at all is, hey, come in and compete with a guy we really like who has three years of eligibility. Um, it's not great. I don't know that they're going to bring in like a Hudson card uh, or a Brennan Armstrong with that sales pitch uh, because they do have a starter. It's hard to recruit a backup for the portal. I'm going to read a quote. Uh, this is our Daily Bears on Twitter. <laughs> Who the fact that ups he, and downs? Okay, I'll just say for who ups and downs have been very nice to me in the DMs. They have. They've been very personally. nice. There's a lot of Baylor people. I will. Do you want me to personally. not read it? No, no, read it. Them. I think that's Mark, right? Along with like Sam Bradshaw, friends of the podcast. This is all in good fun. I you like. Want those me to not people, read it? So I will not. I read can't just read it and we'll talk about it. It's fine. The fact that he didn't even post a note or something thanking Baylor for mortgaging two years of QB recruiting just for him to flip on the last day is telling. But there's no point attacking the kid about it. It's done. Well, it seems like you already did. Yeah. Um, so uh, all that aside, um, who made you mortgage those two years of recruiting? Uh, yeah. What me? What me? What in Austin? Um, yeah, so, so this, this does legitimately, so there are some Baylor fans who are, you know, posting pictures of a Nike van with money coming out of it. I'm like, man, that's really weird way to say that we're, we're so poor that our culture is not good enough to retain a guy. Um, they don't even have a Papados, Parker. They, they don't, but they did. There are going to pot bellies. Um, that's a very 2000, 2010. I know, I know. (laughs) And I I really love it. And it makes me laugh every time. But, um, 
I will say this, this does, there are things that Dave Aranda has done where I thought, hmm, interesting. This is the first, like, this is a huge mistake. This is a very, very bad program management thing. And they're going to have to get super creative to get out of this quarterback hole or get really lucky that, that Chapin doesn't get hurt at all next year. Um, Otherwise they're looking at pretty, two pretty bad seasons back in, in a row. Um, and you think about all of their offensive linemen are gone after this year. So that's already a bad thing for their, for their quarterback situation next year. Um, Baylor's in a bad spot right now. They can get out of it very easily, but, but man, this is kind of embarrassing today. It's embarrassing. Parker, I think we should talk about one thing that we actually didn't plan on doing. So apologies okay. for the curveball. Um, Max Duggan announced that he's going pro. Um, I think we actually talked talk about, about that on, on Sunday? Sunday. I think we did, but, but oh. just talking about quarterback rooms. Um, TCU is Chandler Morris. They have Sam Jackson. I, I, I would expect them maybe not to be uh, completely done with the portal. Um, but I, I don't think TCU is in the same uh, bad boat as Baylor is, if I'm being coy. No, they're not. And I don't know. I know what Jamie has told me. I don't know what Jamie. Right. I, I, no, I know. Here, no, 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 so. I, I know. But, but, but that's what I was saying is that I don't TCU's think. TCU is not um, done in the portal for sure. Yes, I think there's conversations yeah. going on. Yeah, and and I, I do believe that TCU will have the next one ready for. Ready to 2024 yeah, yeah. And then, and that's, yep. that was sort of the comparison I was trying to draw. Right. Was, Hey, yeah. Like Max is leaving. Great. All good. Um, I, I don't think we're in the same terrible boat that Baylor is. Um, just trying to dunk on Baylor a little bit more by pointing out that TCU has things settled. Parker, this technically is the Michigan defense preview. It is the Michigan defense preview. Um, we did uh, we did the Michigan offense yesterday. Well, I guess two days ago if you're listening to this on Thursday when it comes yep. out, and the Michigan defense today, um, right here on the. On the eve of the eve of the eve of Christmas Eve, I think I did that right. We're we're three eves removed from Christmas Eve. My my aunt would call it Christmas Eve Eve Eve. So yeah, that's that's. Wait, no. I, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's Christmas Eve 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 Eve. Eve, Eve. So it's four. Eve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to your aunt. I'm glad we settled um, that. Yeah. <laughs> the Michigan Wolverines. Allowing 13.4 points per game. Pretty good. 277.1 yards per game, 191.8 pass yards, 85, 85.2 rush yards a game. Just to help us calibrate that, let me read you TCU's offensive yardage per game. 140.3 points per game, 473 yards, 273 passing, 200 rushing. Um, something will have to give my standard disclaimer. As we get into this, I will just read you some names from Michigan schedule this year, Colorado state, Hawaii, Connecticut, Maryland, Iowa's offense, Indiana, uh, Michigan state Rutgers, Nebraska, and Illinois offense and Purdue's offense, which has been actually pretty bad. So amazing defensive numbers, but grant that schedule is a little stinky, a little stinky in terms of quality. It's very stinky. There obviously are a couple of outliers that we're not naming Penn state, Ohio state among them. Um, but at the no, same time, that's it. It's literally just Penn State. No, I know, State. I know. And I was <laughs> and uh, Notre Dame. They played Notre Dame, didn't they? They were fine. No, Michigan did not play Notre Dame this year. Oh, didn't they? Okay, all right. Well, anyway, um, I I get Notre Dame's schedule all mixed up because they're independent. And it's very annoying. Um, yeah, it it it's it's a thin list of teams that they've played. With that said, I am still very impressed by Michigan's defense. Um, so they're I, they're very good. I, I I made a mistake by not pulling up your numbers um, before we did this I podcast. Can, I have I a couple of scheme things, but if you don't mind educating us on the advanced stats, we'll get and then we'll get into scheme and players. But so the Michigan Wolverines are the third best defense in the FBS. They're allowing negative zero point one nine two EPA per play on defense. Mm-hmm. Grant. That means that almost a fifth of a point in negative value every time you snap the ball against Michigan on average. That's not great for opponents. They are slightly better against the rush than the pass. They're uh, negative 0.234 EPA per rush allowed, which is fourth hmm. in the nation. Against the pass, negative 0.164 EPA per play. Um, they are, Grant, they are number one in echo rate allowed, quality possession rate, 32.3 percent quality possession rate less than a third of all non-garbage time drives 
uh, we're a quality possession for opponents. That is absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're really good there and they're really good at, at stalling you out on those quality possessions. They are fourth in points per quality possession at 2.6. That tells me two things. One, they are not giving up the explosive touchdown at all. And two, uh, when you get a first down inside their 40, you're more likely to kick a field goal than you are to score a touchdown, which is, um, not great. Not, it's very hard to deal with when the, when the field gets short, this Michigan defense is just very much happy to ruin your day. Um, second in early downs, EPA grant negative 0.187 on first and second downs and on third downs, relatively worse, but 33.5% 33.5% third and fourth down success rate. That's still 12th in the nation. Um, not a lot of weaknesses here from this yeah. Michigan defense. Yeah, and it's it, it's all done with a really unconventional scheme. So Jesse Mentor is a first-year defensive coordinator at Michigan. Um, he was at Georgia State in 2012, um, was uh, with the Baltimore Ravens for a while, which is they Wild, did like a uh, weird wife swap kind of a thing with Jim with Harbaugh because Harbaugh's brother's there, and then yeah, he was I mean, with the Ravens and it. then he hired him and then they moved around. I don't know. There's some weird stuff going on. Um, I, I, I will watch being... a I will watch a Harbaugh wife swap TV series. Um, that's not a humor there. I just I, I want to see how much John's wife, how much will, how much milk she's willing to buy. Um, oh man, I don't know where we were going with that. Uh, no, that's that's say, that's where I was going with it. I have more recently than I than I thought. Watch the uh, Dave Chappelle, um, yeah, trading Why families. Swap? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it rules. Um, but it's uh, before we went to Michigan, he was at Vanderbilt uh, last year as their DC and safeties coach, and now he's there. Um, Parker, I'm going to read you his official title. Assistant to the regional defensive coordinator. He is the Matthew and Nicole Lester family football defensive coordinator. We should have had Matt Lester on this podcast, man. Maybe Nicole Lester. Would how how much do we have to pay to have a purple theory, like quality? Analyst? Here's what I want to know. Could we plausibly, I've got some friends. I think we could do this. Could we yeah. plausibly buy the name to TCU's defensive coordinator role? That's I it can't be that like Sonny Dykes is the offensive guy. Like he, I think we beans, can probably do it. Beans, if you're listening to this, I need you to make a f- <laughs> couple phone calls and see how much it would cost for us to, uh, to buy that out. But the thing about Jesse Mentor is that uh, I, I love the defensive run. So every, it, like we talk a lot about uh, Joe Gillespie spill and kill, right? So three, three, five, like, Hey, everybody floats to the ball. Mentor does that with, the most unconventional fronts. So he'll, he'll run a three down. He'll run a two down. He'll run a one down. Um, he'll, he'll run a very unbalanced two down to where there's, you know, two guys over the right guard and the right tackle, a linebacker kind of hovering over the left guard, and then bring a blitz and surprise the hell out of you. Everybody runs to the ball so well, and he mixes zone and man fantastically. I think he's probably primary a, a, a man guy. Um, but he'll, he'll, he'll run cover one. He'll run cover two, cover three. I think he's scheme agnostic. I, I love how much uh, Jesse Mentor like switches things up depending on the opponent, um, you know, for his defense. I, I think he's extremely aggressive. I think that'll lead to some weaknesses, maybe some gaps to expose once we talk about that a little bit more. But I, I, overall, I love how he coaches defense. Being a defensive uh, neophyte, as it were, I'm much more inclined to the offensive side of the ball. I, I will say it does feel like he has a very good read on the strengths and weaknesses of his defense and yes. is able to deploy them in such a way that matches. I'll give the credit. Like it's a very kind of Gary Patterson understanding. He's not doing the same level of micromanaging, but he is doing the same kind of ebb and flow in a game of here's what's working for them. Here's how we're going to answer it. And here's how we're going to cover up our weaknesses there. Um, Michigan's been a second half team this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with defensive adjustments. Can I take a total pot shot or journalist for a minute? Is that okay? I mean, I hate to be real. It. It, it also like it. Sports Illustrated. The good ones are good. The bad ones are bad. They have an article called "The Man in Charge of Michigan's Number One Defense Breaks It All Down." There's not a single illuminating quote from Jesse Mentor in this. It is about like, hey, like we changed a couple things up, and like you know, our players are really good. It just makes me very mad. Um, 
Yes, it 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 is very Patterson like. Um, like we know what you're good at, and we're going to like force you to do the things that you are not good at. Um, so like I, I against Penn State, for example, Sean Clifford had a big play. He had a he had, he had a run option that he took off. I think he went like seventy yards on it, got tackled short of the end zone. But that's not Penn State's offense. Sean Clifford is not a running quarterback. Right. Um, and, and so like oh yeah, they they had success with it but that's one of the few plays they had success with um, it's the same thing with so like the, the, per, the purdue game where it's like they did a couple yeah. of pa boots where you were like what the heck are they even doing yeah, it, it worked just because it was so different right it's the, the offensive coordinators being like we we have to innovate and do something weird otherwise michigan's gonna shut us the hell down um yeah. and so i, I it, i'm just very impressed by jesse mentor yeah, I think he, I think he does a great job, and I think that this is a, a an underrated matchup of offensive coordinator versus defensive coordinator in yeah. Mentor versus uh, versus Riley here. So that's the thing too, and, and we can get into players in a minute. But I, I I think the aggression on Michigan's defense, I think Garrett Riley is going to run a lot of screens, um, and a lot of like. And, and hopefully a lot of inside screens, like guys coming back in, Darius Davis, QJ coming back towards the line of scrimmage because Michigan will crash the outside screen and send two guys to break through that, um, you know, those wide receivers blocking. And I think the receiver coming back in and getting around those guys will be like kind of key. If if I'm Excuse if me. I may, and again we haven't rehearsed this, and we're just kind of going off. Yeah, no, that's here. fine. Sorry, I'm talking the, out the loud. The inclination, but... no, I, I like that, and, I, and the inclination I have in response to that, I'm kind of playing the like dumb listener here, responding to this. My hope would be that Garrett Riley would be able to kind of set us up on a foundation of like a bubble screen RPO, saying, yeah. "Hey, if you're going to commit to stopping Quentin Johnston out there or Darius Davis out there, I'm going to punish you with Max Duggan inside." Because again, looking at these quarterbacks that they've played. Um, Talia Tagala, Tagavailoa, uh, Sean Clifford, uh, CJ Stroud, even N- none of these are really like rushing threats. Right. And so there hasn't been a true, like that gets you an extra man, which is super interesting. I, I wonder if we don't see more rushing yards or more rushing attempts from Max Duggan than we've seen all season. Not, not, not scrambles per se. But uh, that but that would be bad. Design runs, right? But design. Right. I think I think there's a lot of if if Duggan's healthy over the course of these three weeks, I think that Max Duggan run game gives TCU so much dimensionality here to kind of counterpunch this Michigan defense. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and I I think over the course of this month, hopefully Max is healthier than he was at the end of the season, where he was scrambling when he had to, and and putting his body on the line. But I, I think with the last two games of his college career, hopefully he and Garrett Riley have devised some ways to get him open and and, and ready to run. Um, Parker, do you want to talk about specific players? Because there are a lot of really good players on this Michigan defense. And there I, I really yeah, players on this yeah it's, it's very defense. frustrating. It, it's I'm, I'm trying to find a hole and I can't do it. Uh, there's a lot of consistency here. Um, I hate that they have three edge rushers who all have 19 or more pressures between Morris and Harrell and Upshaw. You have, what is this? 56 plus 19 is 70 something pressures. Um, That's a very disruptive threesome. And you can um, rotate guys in as well. Having that third option there. Uh, that's going to create a lot of problems given the relative, um, balance between both sides. I'm also worried about, um, them hypothetically loading up on the, the weaker of TCU's tackles, whoever that might be. This is going to feel, to me, it feels a lot like the Texas tech game where obviously Tyra Smith is, is like a, a stud. Michigan has two or three or four studs. Um, but if you put Morris, um, you know, on, on one of TCU's offensive tackles, that's that's going to be a, a weak link. Um, and, 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 well, like and, ex- and the biggest deal there was almost, I wonder if TCU's learned a lesson from that Texas Tech game, because the biggest deal wasn't just that Tyree Wilson was a monster and that defensive line. Wilson, sorry, I called him Smith. I apologize oh, for the record. I, that, no, no, that's a correction. That's Who's Tyree bad. Smith? Tyree Smith is, Tyree Smith was at West Virginia. Yes, maybe? I know. Uh, and and I, transferred I, to that's, Georgia. that's my bad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Management right. regrets the error. I'll talk to Grant yes. off here about that. Sorry, I'm it's terrible. Um, but what TCU did is said on early downs in the first half against Texas Tech, TCU said, 
we're afraid of putting ourselves in a position where Wilson can change the game. So what do they do? They went short, they ran it on early downs, and then they found themselves in like third and nine, which is exactly where those edge rushers uh, feast. Yeah, and, and, and also what I'm worried about is we've talked before about how TCU kind of finds itself to where, okay, we are going to run these unconventional, you know, Riley offense, counters, pulls, everyone doing weird stuff on the offensive line. If you have a really good defensive lineman, they're just going to blow through that. Um, so I'm hoping TCU doesn't give up on being innovative just for the sake of Michigan being dominant up front. Oh, um, and I, I'm worried I, there, there have been times, I think they looked a lot better down the stretch. And again, we're thinking in that, in that mindset of TCU yeah. played 11 games in a row. They were tired. Sure. They're beat up. They're sure, healthy sure. now. There's more than a couple of times where like Ali and Steve looked pretty slow getting over there. Yeah. Yeah, and if you compromise the integrity of the line, those guys are coming in, especially on pass pro. It's it's potentially very disruptive. I think I will point out at this point, um, Michigan's defense 14th in success rate, third in EPA. So they're actually giving up a little more efficiency than they are explosiveness, which is worrisome. But very little, still very good. V- very little. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah very yeah. good at explosiveness. Um, TC's offense is 18th in EPA per play, but 65th in uh, success rate, and so. Teams that have had success against Michigan have been able to just get off, you know, get off these little successes. Um, TCU is very much hoping to hit a home run. And yeah. with these three edge rushers, I'm very worried about TCU digging a hole that makes them be in a negative game state that makes them have to pass and drop back a ton, which leads to those guys feasting. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, if this entire offense was built out of four yard Kendra Miller runs um, and, and and that's how we burrowed into this game, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed. I would also love a lot of eight yard Jared Wiley turnarounds, uh, Tay Barber turnarounds. I mean, okay, very much. I think about that. What, what was the play? Do you remember the game where Duggan just like threw it like 15 yards in the air and then it came down and Wiley caught it for a first down? What was that? Um I don't know if it's just very much like uh, TCU's best offense might be like early on, just like Doug and don't die. Try to not take the hit and just right. get it just out to Wiley. Get the ball out as quickly as possible over the middle of the field. I, I, I think that's, that's, that's not necessarily a bad opinion. I mean, I, I think the it's, this game reminds you a lot of tech in Texas. I think uh, this game reminds me of, so much of Texas. Actually, oh, yeah. funnily enough, friend, friend of the podcast, Richard Johnson was texting me today. Big flex right there. I just won't let Humble people Brad. know that Richard yeah. Johnson and I text sometimes. But he he said, you know, TCU, on duo. Go ahead. Yeah. He said TCU is a less efficient version of Michigan. I was like, yeah, that's pretty true. And he said, Michigan's just well, well equipped, happy to chip away. TCU has to win with explosives. Michigan doesn't. Then he said, this has the Texas game written all over it for them. I fear. And he said, I fear mm-hmm. because TCU really won that Texas game because of a blown coverage. Like, they they forced it. I think they've done that all season. They, yeah, but I mean that was it. That was neck and neck, and then they had to. They 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 just they just got the right we, spot for that explosive touchdown. We don't have to. I mean, they were uh, they would have won ten nothing or ten three um, without a fumble, like That's regardless true. of the blown coverage. Um, but I do think I, it will be. I think TC's best case scenario is is the Michigan well, game or the Michigan Illinois game. That's fair. I like what friend of the podcast Shahan J Araja said, which is that TCU is just a much Go ahead. I think you mispronounced enemy, but carry on. Wow. He is out of the country, so he's not going to hear this. Um, a, a a much more efficient ver- – TCU is Purdue, but better at everything. And Okay. Purdue gave Michigan a little bit of fits in that game. Um, they did. There was times so where I, they were very annoying. I know. And so I think if TCU can annoy the hell out of Michigan, I'm not necessarily – I mean, I, I'm worried. Don't get me, I'm going to have a freaking fit. Um, Parker, let's do this now. Hold on. Before we get into any specific personnel you want to talk to. Where are you watching this game on Saturday? Next Where Saturday. am I watching this game yeah. on Saturday? Yeah, next Saturday. Um, yeah. Without divulging too much of my personal life, um, potentially on my phone. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have turned down many invites. Not I'll be brag. alone. I'll be alone. Or oh, with I'll be alone. Yes, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I will be a hundred percent alone. I will be in my living room uh, under a blanket, having a panic attack for four hours. Um, that's my plan. Um, we'll talk about that more next Wednesday. Hopefully. Uh, are there any specific like personnel on Michigan, any guys that you want to highlight just in terms of 
how disruptive they can be for for this game. Well, I definitely want to. I mean, I I, I think that um, you, you can't. This is a polarizing figure, but uh, the defensive lineman uh, Mozzie Smith is um, extremely disruptive. He's got twenty pressures. Yeah. Um, He's got, you know, he's he's got how many times? 34 tackles, which I think is fourth on the team, fifth on the team. Yeah, Mike um, Morris also has nine sacks. Yeah, I mean, he'll that's... create some conflict there. Um, I was going to make a joke about him being um, loaded or something, but uh, he has some issues with having undocumented firearms and and potentially some oh, legal well. issues. So I don't want to make too much fun of that, but he's going to play. He He's very... Um, he makes me very worried just because the edge rushers are already going to strain TCU. So you start thinking, okay, how do I mitigate uh, Brandon Coleman and or Andrew Coker not being able to win one-on-ones? Yeah. I've got to keep a running back in. I've got to keep a tight end in. I've got to send a guard out there. Um, that leaves you with the interior offensive line a little depleted, and they've got a guy who could be very disruptive yeah. there. What worries me too is if Duggan's like, oh crap, I have two seconds to throw and I'm going to throw it deep. Uh, Rod Moore playing safety um, yep. has uh, what three picks this year, three pass breakups. Um, he he is extremely disruptive over the top. Um, he's not Am one I of allowed the guys to drop the, the phrase ball hawk on Rod Moore. But uh, there you go, ball hawk, uh, center yep. fielder. Um, he's a he's a John Fogarty guy. Um, you know. Uh, it's a, he's, he's a guy that's going to make life miserable for TCU. Um, and and the thing about Michigan's defenses too, we should say this, they're very healthy. Um, like there's no guys like, Oh, they're missing somebody like, you know, Blake Corum on offense or whatever. Um, my old boss, Scott Bell, uh, the Dallas morning news is a, uh, humble brag, uh, is a Michigan fan. And, um, I DM him earlier and said, Hey, like, is there anybody missing? He goes, no, we're going to beat you. I was like, all right, well, yeah, okay. Um, it, it's a very, very solid unit. I'm, I'm very worried, to be honest with you. Yeah, you start looking at how involved the linebackers are. So I'm going to tackles, right? And you're like, man, Junior Colson, Mike, Michael Barrett are, are two leading linebackers. They're playing like a four-two, four-three um, defense. Kind of, there. but it's a four-three, but it, it's. It's a two four with the guys. Okay, it really it is a two four. I mean, yeah, those, a, those edge two, rushers yeah, are yeah. so versatile. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would call yeah. both of them, especially compared to like Aiden Hutchinson, um, who yeah, right. It, it, it's not a down they're they're very much more like a, uh, outside linebacker kind of guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so so a lot of versatility there, which again TCU um, might not do amazing with. No, uh, but you have Colson and Barrett just extremely disruptive in the run game. That's. Um, you know, 90 stops between their or 90, sorry, 90 tackles and uh, almost 60 stops, 62 stops for them. So a, a really, really formidable duo at linebacker. Again, that's something you have to count for in the run game is TCU has really benefited from Kendrick Miller after contact. These guys aren't missing a lot of tackles, no. uh, 6% and 9%, which for the volume that they're making is, is a lot. So that, that makes me very, very nervous. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, Mentor scheme has guys flooding to the damn ball. So even if they do miss those tackles, there's three guys coming their way um, yep. to back them up. It, it, it's not similar, uh, not similar to Gillespie in terms of scheme. Um, I think Gillespie's is a lot more structured and kind of more definite, um, whereas Mentor's is more chaotic. I don't want to put but, you on the spot here, so tell me yeah. if I'm putting you on the spot. But like, I think of Gillespie, and again, I we're we're neophytes. This offseason, I think, yeah, no, I, I know much more about offense side of things. So I don't want to yeah. speak out of turn here. What I understand of Gillespie is that Gillespie wants to crowd the A and B gaps, force you outside, let his safeties and outside linebackers make the tackle. Mm -hmm. Feels a little bit like what Michigan wants to do is a little bit more of like a catcher's mitt in the middle. Of yes. like, hey, we're just going to sink you into a bunch of guys and we're going to make the tackle that way. I yeah. don't know if that's technical. I don't know if that's 100% true. As I've watched their defense a little bit, just going through those games, I've been inclined to believe it's a little bit more of like the Venus flytrap than it is the spill and kill. I think that is a fantastic way to put it. I, I guess I meant more that guys are, I, I, I think they make the right calls in the right scenario um, to be like, Hey, like I think a run is coming and we're not going to sell out and run, you know, uh, engage eight if you played Madden, but like be aware. And so I, I think they do a great job of, of flooding the middle. I, I think that's a perfect way to, to, uh, to phrase it. And um, I don't, I'm not under the impression looking at their stats that like, play action has been particularly effective against them. TCU yeah. has run that pretty decently. 
But the issue is that with these edge rushers being so formidable, play action just adds a bunch of time to throw. And TCU, their best plays have not been long time to throw. Yeah, like you, you yeah. need to get the ball out quick. So um, I think there's a world where TCU just air raids the bejesus out of this and it kind of works. Uh, but there's also a world where TCU can't get a pass off and it, and it unwinds pretty, pretty. I, 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 I also don't think Michigan has played an offense like TCU's. not saying that TCU's offense is all world, just uh, nothing as spread as TCU is. No, um, even because like Brom was so weird in that game. Yeah. Not that I'm like a Brom scholar. No, anything, no, I know. Like, Dude, I know what he's trying to do. And they were running like PA boot, all this weird stuff. And I think that's like kind of a benefit legitimately. Michigan hasn't seen an offense like TCU's. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if TCU can run, kind of like I said, those inside screens, if they can run the kind of the spread zone that they want to, if, if they can get max free um, on even QB power, which I know I'm sure Michigan's seen a lot in the Big Ten, like the way TCU does it is not something Michigan has seen in like all season, unless Colorado State wants to run some junior high version of it that I'm not familiar with, but I, I don't know. Um, yeah, who knows? Parker, is there anything else but that's like the Tay Barber and Darius Davis game? I, I like Tay Barber, Darius Davis, both of them. Uh, Darius Davis has been not as involved. Like the Oklahoma game, he was amazing. The Oklahoma State game, he was amazing. West Virginia was six targets, but Kansas State, he only had two catches. Like the man has had more than 30 receiving yards. What is this? One, two, three four, five, six times, and not since the Texas Tech game. Um, the horizontal game, I think, is going to be so important here because if TCU tries to go toe-to-toe, I think they're going to get smashed. If yep. TCU just tries to go over the top, I don't know that they can generate enough um, disguise to let those routes mm-hmm. develop without having the, the the horizontal game. I think Darius Davis has got to get involved just because, again, the way that teams that competed with Michigan tried to compete with them involved nobody really had this kind of horizontal threat to the extent that tc the combination of so let me rephrase that i'm talking this on the fly sorry the combination of the vertical extension and the horizontal extension a lot of teams that that michigan has played have had one of those but they haven't had both of them i'll even say ohio state given the state of their health of their wide receiver room didn't have both the horizontal and the vertical. They had the vertical. They didn't have the horizontal. Yeah, exactly. No, yep. exactly. Yep. And, and you add in the tight ends again, Grant, what have we talked about all season? It's been the Darius Davis day game, the Quentin Johnston game, the Jared Wiley game, the everybody game is what needs to happen here for TCU to yes. win because they are so dimensional. Can they find a way to stretch Michigan out and get a lot of guys involved? Because I I love Kendra Miller. Um, I think you and I both do. And, and and this is not a running backs don't have value take. This is a I don't think this is going to be the Kendra Miller game. I think this is going to be a smartly run passing offense game. Quick hitters taking advantage of uh, the Michigan defense creeping up and being aggressive. That is going to win this game. I, I don't think it would be very funny if it was the Kendra. Miller. No, it would be amazing. <laughs> if TC ran for 250 yards to beat Michigan 31 28. <laughs> Oh my God. Welcome to the right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not like anyone can tell me anything right now anyway, but I promise you if Kendrick Miller gets 200 yards against Michigan, no one in the entire world will be able to tell me. I will run new down Camille drive and Bay city. If that happens, I will not film it, but it will happen. All seven people might see. (laughs) Five actually on Camille drive. Um, (laughs) I was counting dogs too. My bad. Oh, then you're exactly right at seven. Um, is there anything else about this Michigan defense that we should say before we before we sign off here? No, I will. I will say I just want to shout out my friend Space Coyote at Space Coyote BDS, which I believe is uh, Breakdown Sports. That's an incredible um, sentence. Uh, shout out Space Coyote, but I want to shout out Space Coyote. Is it amazing phrase? Yeah. The homie. Um, uh, evidently, that's a Simpsons reference, but he is a Big Ten guy, does really great defensive breakdowns and stuff. He broke down a lot about Michigan on offense and on defense, has done a ton of defense, just scroll his timeline, got a ton of videos, yeah. kind of breaking stuff down. And he does that thing that I love where he's like talking through it and then shows it and then backs it up and, yeah. and all that. So he's a guy definitely to um, to go look at. And I believe I talked to Cody Alexander. I think he's doing a breakdown of Michigan. If he's not, I'm going to tell oh, him cool. to do it and we'll retweet yeah. it as well. 
for his his blog and on Twitter as as well. There, there are guys who are so smart about defense that like anything I learn is because I look at these guys. So um, yeah, check check both of them yeah. out if you have deeper questions about the schematic reality of Michigan's defense. Cody Alexander is the smartest person about defense that I know. Um, and, and I'm going to check nice out Space guy. Coyote. And, and it's so nice. It's not Grant, fair. Let's have Cody back on in the offseason. We'll do it. It's been oh, 100%. I, I need him to give a, give me a Gillespie breakdown. Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. We will be back, not on Sunday, which is Christmas. We'll be back, hopefully, fingers crossed, on December 29th in your ear, uh, in your earlobes. That's Thursday. We will record on Wednesday, December 28th. Fingers crossed. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's sorry. I didn't, I, I'm not changing your recording schedule. Um, I was like, Grant, we wrote something down for the first I time. Know, I know. I can't change no. it after we wrote it we, down we, for the first time. <laughs> you can't change the rules just because you don't like how I'm doing it. Um, we uh, <laughs> me, will. Me, Grant, I need these set in stone in advance. Also, me, Grant, five minutes for the podcast. Hey, I can't do it tonight. <laughs> I, I canceled Sunday. So it's, it's all good. Um, we will. Uh, Send out a tweet, get your predictions, get your offensive MVP, defensive MVP, all that. Um, so stick around for that. You can follow me on Twitter, at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. He is Parker Fleming. He is at Stats O'War. The BetUS show has aired uh, Tuesday and Wednesday by the time you listen to this. He's got a bunch of bowl game previews. Um, it, it, am I missing anything? You do a lot of crap, man. And I I'm tease, tired of being um, your agent. I want to tease that I, I am looking at doing some extended um, playoff matchup stuff. Okay. Uh, probably from the Sumer Sports account, but I will be doing something like that next week. So keep an eye out for that as well. Yeah. Also follow Sumer Sports on Twitter because Parker now. Yeah. Say. Sometimes I tweet from there. So it's kind of cool. You can always tell when Parker tweets because it's uh, it's it's sassy. That's That's what Parker does. Careful, Eric might listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's listening an hour in. God bless him. Um, Parker, this has been Perfect Theory Podcast. Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Happy holidays, whatever you whatever you celebrate. Um, we're thankful that you enable us to do this stupid podcast. So, yeah, this has been this has been really fun, and we appreciate the listeners. I appreciate the DMs. Like, there's a lot of people, and I, I can't possibly respond to all of them that say like, "Hey, love the podcast. Had this thought or something," and appreciate you guys being there and. Um, the, the, it's, it's fun. It, we, we've all slogged through some years where TCU has yeah. not been good and it's not wow. been fun and it's nice to enjoy it and, and glad everyone's here. And of course, grateful for the frogs today, people for enabling our, 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 yes. this. And so, yes. And, and apologies for sending, uh, the audio file late, um, for, um, the previous episode forgot to do that. Um, so if you listen on YouTube, that's why Parker, this has been purple theory podcast. We will be back next week. Go frogs. Go Frogs. Um, the previous episode. Forgot to do that. Um, so if you listen on YouTube, that's why. Parker, this has been Purple Theory Podcast. We will be back next week. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.